Jay Shetty's podcast with Trevor Noah. I do know who Jay Shetty is, but I've never actually watched a whole episode. I think I may have seen like five minute clips on YouTube, but I've never really engaged in the content that he puts out. But when I saw that Trevor Noah was being on the podcast, I was like, whoop, 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 let me see what's happening. Earlier today, I did an episode about fear and how I thought of what Trevor Noah's fears might be. I considered them being my delusions and illusions. And I would meditate on the script and certain ideas would come to me. But I never knew for sure if I was actually assessing Trevor accurately because the story of BTW, I'm an Alien, is based on the idea that Trevor Noah has a parallel life and in that (laughs) parallel life, his parallel self is married to an alien And I wanted to have the central focus be on adaptability and acceptance. But once I had finished the first season, and I was very proud of myself, I thought it was done um, in 2020 because I had gotten to the final episode for the series. And there's eight episodes in season one. And so I had gotten feedback from other people. I made changes. I was like, woohoo, it's so good. <laughs> Basically, my six-year-old self who first started writing, that thrill, that excitement, that pride in oneself for completing a story, that's what I felt. Did I think it was completely the final draft? No. But I felt like it was at the highest level I could get it to in 2020. And then in 2021, I had signed up for, I think this was Barnstorms, and they were uh, offering $250 for a year of feedback every month, I think. I don't remember exactly. I did an episode on that earlier So you might be able to scroll down and find Barnstorm and get more information about it. But I think it was Barnstorm. It might have been through somebody else because I don't always remember where I get the feedback from. The main places I get feedback from, and I'm going to get to the point, but the main (laughs) places I get feedback from were this, uh, was uh, Coverfly and their peer-to-peer program. We screenplay, screencraft and like signing up for their paid feedback. Uh, And then Barnstorm. And then I was working one-on-one with this woman um, who was a script analyst. And then, you know, some some friends uh, I was getting feedback from. And I'm pretty sure it was Barnstorm. I sent in BTW, I'm an alien season one, uno. Because I was like, yeah, you know, 
maybe there's something that I, I missed. Hey, it might have actually been the blacklist. I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway, I was very, very pleased with the script, but I was like, hey, let me just send it off in the hopes that I get something that I overlooked and I can add something to the script. And the person said, I love the theme, I love the story, I love the external conflict, but I do not feel like there's enough of the internal dialogue, the internal conflict, and then a resolution for Travis Norrie, the main character. And I was like, wait a minute, I thought I made it quite clear. So I then realized that I hadn't. And so I wanted a thorough line for Travis Norrie, an internal conflict that he constantly is trying to work through and towards. And what I came up with was belonging. This has been a central theme in working with people throughout the years. But I just figured that was something that he had struggled with. Just based off of some of the things I had gotten to know about him, about being the outsider. And so I changed it to when he takes over the dun-dun-dun daily show for Ron Stewie in this parallel reality, I have it that Ron Stewie whispers to Travis Nori on the day he's taking over the show, he says, it's yours, pointing to the chair, and he says, you belong here. Like, you belong in the chair, you belong on the stage, you belong at the head of this TV show. And then, you know, people chew him up and spit him out. Um, he's constantly rejected. Um, people are constantly treating him as some one that he actually isn't. And then he finally has his family, which in my mind, and I don't know if I made it as clear as it could be, but in my mind, the character of Travis Norrie wants to have a child, wants to have this nuclear family so that he has that sense of belonging in that unit. But I also know that that's really me. <laughs> that is what I've always pictured for my life because I am one of eight kids and there was also uh, foster kids and not a single one of them is in my life. A family of 10 and I'm the one who never felt this is where I belong. And that's not a sad thing. It didn't make me upset. It made me want to explore the world, to get outside of my house and meet people and travel. And I have to an extent, but there's always been this irritating feeling of craving, being constantly thirsty, parched. I'm trying to find the right word. It is this constant ache of not really having that, not just sense of belonging, but that daily experience of true belonging. And so I've always said to myself that once I have my children, that feeling will be satiated. And I've had therapy. I'm going to get more <laughs> because you can't put that pressure on a child. But 
I'm putting that in the script. I put that fear, that desire in the script. And so when he doesn't belong, Travis Nori, when he actually is the odd man out again, because they are aliens, Moreau is part alien, and he is not, then he has to go through that whole feeling of being the odd man out once again. And then he's striving to adapt, to accept, to belong in the Lucivilite or Lucivilis planet. And he's rejected again. And then a certain situation happens where they're put in a precarious situation where his family is taken from him by racists. And he has to fight and he doesn't feel like he's doing enough. He has this mental breakdown where he's like, don't you wish so-and-so was here? Duminia. Don't you wish he was here? Which is Amara's brother, the wife of Travis Nori in this story. Um, he's like, don't you wish your brother was here? Because he could help us more because he's like a genius. And she says, no. I knew that you were always the right father and the right husband for me. I know that we can save our daughter, Maroa, and they save forever teammates, and they are able to rescue their daughter. And then right when things are finally getting good, <laughs> and like Dominia is the odd person out, and he doesn't belong, um, it's kind of like this funny thorough line of them not really liking each other. Um, it's like set up then. But anyway, when he's finally feeling like he belongs and things are going good, he is robbed of all of his memories of his family. And he's thrust back into his world, his life rather, without his family. And just seeing him kind of like struggle, feel like there's something missing, but not knowing what's missing and trying to find it. Um, and tr actually actively trying to recreate it with somebody else, like, dating and then it doesn't go right and at the end of it when all of his memories start coming back Maroa runs to him and says I belong with you and I remember when I wrote that it made me cry and I've heard from other script analysts that in order to find out if your story is really emotionally impactful is if it brings you to tears so basically, the season one is about no matter what befalls Baroa and Travis Nori, they belong with each other and they will always find their way back to each other. So I know that that's like a, a trope in like romantic stories of destiny, you know, but this is about their fortitude, their love, their resilience to never give up. And life has to reward that by default you're perseverant and you never give up and there are two people fighting for the same goal of being with each other you will find a way and I just love it I love that I was able to heal myself in a way by writing the script during the pandemic by basically seeing myself in the characters and by doing so, understanding myself from different points of views and different levels, 
and then just that beautiful gift to myself, but also this desire to gift that to other people. I think the world is fucking crazy. (laughs) And if you can find your community, your family, your home within the madness, that is the biggest triumph. That to me is true success. Being able to look to the left and to the right and going, ah. Being completely satiated on all levels. There are no words. There is no body expression or body posture to completely convey that other than breath. So that came to my mind as I was watching Jay Shetty's podcast and Trevor said belonging was the main thing he was shooting for with fame. And he talked about how what happened was the opposite. And I noticed that when I became kind of popular on YouTube in 2009 to about 2012 to 13, people had all these... They had delusions about who I was, but this false familiarity that drove me a little bit crazy and these weird, unexpressed expectations of me to be something to them, which just made them feel like hooks in me rather than I truly want to connect with you. And so I became kind of shut down and I still cared about people. I still was able to connect with certain people, but I definitely became more more guarded because there were quite a few people weaseling their way into my life just to take and take and take um, or be abusive or be manipulative or try to co-create the trauma of their past without truly healing it and trying to use me as a tool to heal it, kind of bypass the responsibility that they had to heal it themselves anyway. My ability to share my story authentically and connect with other people backfired, where people started judging themselves as not being good enough. I got so many emails of like, well, you're this, that, and the other, and I can never be that. But my intention for doing the videos was to be like, I came from literally nothing with horrible trustees as parents. And I'm still able to be here and talk and heal and grow and continue my journey. And then I got into the mindset of how dare you try to exploit the sacredness of my journey as a form of self-hatred for you. I became so angry (laughs) because humans are humans. But then I just had to surrender like, of course that was going to happen. Of course, there's no way it couldn't have. No one's going to truly know me through a video, through multiple, multiple videos. And so instead of judging people for not receiving what I had to offer in the way I had to offer it and not having that true connection 
or whatever all of my thoughts were about it, instead of like being angry and disappointed that it wasn't that, I simply accepted what it was for what it was. And I had appreciation. I had gratitude. I had love still in meditation. I will do a loving kindness meditation where I'm just sending love to all the people who saw some level of value in what I had to offer. So nothing I did was a waste. All of it mattered. And it's not just validating that piece of mattering is a sense of belonging. So when I let go of my ego's story of how I think it should be and I accepted life on life's terms, there was all this beauty to be seen and revel in. And so I'm now thankful for all the idiocy, <laughs> all the false familiarity, because it's just me being me them being them, and I'm blessed to be able to witness all of it. But the main thing I wanted to say was I'm kind of impressed with myself <laughs> that I was able to accurately pick up on some of the themes of Trevor Noah's life and put it in a story that was able to distract me from my own pain and anxiety during the pandemic help me heal, help me learn about screenplay writing, and my highest hope and prayer for the script now is that somehow it makes it into his hands and it is produced with him voicing the characters. And elevating the script a bit more, because I know, I know there's still improvements to be made, but I've gotten it to the highest point that I can get it. So I'm thankful that he did this podcast, and there was another thing that kept coming up whenever I meditate on his energy as I was writing BTW, I'm an Alien. It was this feeling of jumping, plop, 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 never being dependable. Um, that's what his soul felt like, and I couldn't quite place that, and he said that he is consistent, and when he said that, I was like, Really? Because that was not the feeling I was getting with him necessarily. But he said that he is, let me, mercurial. Is it? Mercurial. Yeah, mercurial. <laughs> Never heard that word. But it says a person um, subject to suddenly change or be unpredictable in mood and mind. And for me, it felt like inconsistency, but it actually was being, I'm trying to explain it. I felt like he wasn't necessarily reliable or dependable because of all these different thoughts and pursuits. But the truth is underlining all of that is the consistency of him connecting with his friends, him being of service, him wanting to be nutrients to a soil that 
uh, grows different seeds in society. And I was like, okay, so I misunderstood his openness. I just remember, like, I felt shaky, unstable sometimes when I was meditating. And it was this feeling, it, it felt a little bit scary of someone who could, like, change on a whim, you know? But changing curiosities and how you think about things in a way where you're evolving and not necessarily shifting in a way of going backwards, I, I realized that that was, again, my fear. And that is in the script where Amara's fear is that he won't consistently show up for her or her kids and that fear comes to reality when he loses all of his memories and then is dumped back on earth. <laughs> so I just, I just understood him more and I understood my fears a little bit more of what I was trying to express when I was writing. So I will reread the script and I will plug in some new things, maybe not the first season, maybe the second or third or maybe the fourth. But it's just, it's awesome to like bypass my limiting beliefs about people, self, Trevor, mm, stories. I love how stories can be ever evolving. Like the woman, J.K. Rowling, or Rowling, who wrote Harry Potter, she said she can continually see how the rest of the characters' lives play out, their children's lives, their children's children's lives. And so I think this script, will always be with me and I'll always see more and more of it evolving as I age. Anyway, Jay Shetty is a great interviewer. It was very calming to see him engaging with Trevor. Um, you can tell that he meditates. He's very relaxed. He's very comfortable in his own skin, but also just present, but like a heightened present. It's like he's calling everything beyond himself into the moment as well. Anyway, I just wanted to share that little nugget that just happened while it's fresh on my mind. More later. <laughs>